All right. What's up, everybody? Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 338 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. As always, I remind you, please make sure you subscribe here to my channel, Montero Unboxing, and make sure you click that notification bell so you never miss a live video. Uh, if you do miss the show, though, live, it's all good. You can always watch later. But if you want to listen to the audio, we are on podcast platforms around the world. Just make sure that you are subscribed and uh, you leave a rating, review, all that good stuff. The fee for this show is non-monetary, all right? All we ask is that you guys spread the word about the show. Post it on your social media. Tweet it out. Uh, whatever you're on. All kinds of crap I don't even know. TikTok and all this other stuff. Just spread the word, all right? Uh, we have a completely organic following here. We don't we don't like pay for subscribers and followers and all that stuff. Uh, all you guys who watch the show, you do it because you enjoy it. And I appreciate that. I'm truly, truly grateful. All I ask is you spread the word. If you want to check out my site, MonteroOnBoxing.com, and you want to check out uh, an MOB t-shirt or something like that, that'd be awesome. Um, I'd say just in time for the holidays. It's a good stocking stuffer. I'm just putting it out there. But, um, you know, everything that we make, whether it be from t-shirt sales or, or, you know, super chats here on the show, whatever, we put it right back into the show. All right, guys. So we're an independent operator over here and I appreciate your support while you're at it. Smash that like button. All right. Let me adjust my microphone here. Make sure that we're good to go. It is Thanksgiving week, man. Thanksgiving week. We are almost, um, almost at the end of the year. It's been overall, you know, with, eh, Somewhat of a disappointing year in boxing, but uh, some some bright spots for sure. But we'll talk about all that as the schedule kind of dries up after early December. The last couple of weeks of the year, they'll dry up. We'll talk all about that stuff. All right, you know what? Let's get right into this, man. We, we got some things to discuss, and um, we're going to get right into it. Uh, we're actually a few minutes early today, but hey, there's nothing wrong with being punctual, right? So let's talk some news and notes. Um you know, the most interesting thing that took place last weekend in the boxing world, at least for me, because um, the, the fight that we got was pretty much just a showcase. And I'll talk about that later, uh, that fight card down in Guadalajara, Mexico. But uh, the most interesting thing, you know, that we had some fun trolling with. And you, you guys see the thumbnail to this video and um, or, or the, the tweet that I sent out about the video. I was talking about Spence and Crawford. Look, you know, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford were supposed to fight last weekend. Last Saturday, according to reports, according to sources, you know, they agreed to terms. There was an announcement of an announcement of a future announcement, an announcement of an announcement announcement. Right. And that seems to be the way that certain platforms are increasingly doing business in boxing right now. Um, you don't really see this as much in other parts of the world. I don't see this as much in the UK with like Matchroom and stuff. I don't see him doing it that way. I don't see him, see them doing it that way in Latin America, Japan, uh, you know, Europe, other parts of the world. But increasingly here in the United States, particularly on social media to get things trending and to get people talking, you see this announcement that is really not an official fight announcement. It's an announcement of a potential future official fight announcement. It's insane. And so we got that multiple times over the summer as it relates to Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, right? And the latest one even gave a date, and that was supposed to be November 19th. That was supposed to be this past weekend. So what we ended up getting was Jaime Munguia 
beating a guy that had really no business being in the ring with a guy who's going to end up fighting Gennady Golovkin next year. Uh, you saw that in the result. But again, more about that in a second. Anyway, Terrence Crawford, real quick, um, I tweeted this out. You know, uh, it's actually my boy, Steve Kim. He tweeted out the fact that uh, Crawford has not been in the ring for over a year now. It's officially been over a year. Then he had his last fight against Sean Porter um, with top rank. That was his last fight with the contract with top rank. And then he sued them. How's that lawsuit going, by the way, huh? All those reports, all those clicks on all those sites back when that lawsuit first came out. And those of us who called it nonsense got ridiculed by some of the soy slurpers on Twitter. Um, and where are they all now? Slurping soy, right? But um, nothing really happened, right? Uh, Nothing came of that lawsuit because it was pretty much ridiculous. Anyway, um, you know, he hasn't fought in over a year. And I asked the question, should Terrence Crawford be taken off the pound for pound list? Because on multiple platforms, you know, most platforms, he's on the pound for pound list and several of them. He's near the top, right there in the top two or three. So it is an interesting question because, you know, some of you guys said absolutely, but some of you said, hey, he's got a fight schedule in a couple weeks, which is true. Crawford does have a fight schedule in a couple weeks against a top 10, uh, currently top 10 rated welterweight. So so is that enough to keep him in the pound for pound ratings? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. He does have a fight scheduled. And technically, that fight was officially announced on the schedule within that one year of of activity that you're supposed to get. So I guess technically, maybe you keep Terrence Crawford on the pound-for-pound list. For for my money, he's one of the top five fighters in the world, pound-for-pound, in terms of his uh, quality and and talent as a fighter and his craft, his skills, all of it. Maybe the resume isn't quite there yet, but all those other things, he, he checks the boxes, right? Uh, he has won titles in three different divisions. I do think that matters when you're talking pound for pound. So I think those are good credentials. But does he deserve top five? I don't think so, man. Uh, you know, but honestly, how many guys do? Are there five fighters in the world right now that deserve to be in the top five of the pound for pound list? You know, right off the top, I can think of like two or three names that instantly I'm like, yeah, this guy's top five pound for pound fighter. After that, though, the waters get murky, man. That's something we'll debate more toward the end of the year, uh, especially after we see Crawford against Avenesian in a couple weeks. Uh, and, you know, like I said, when things slow down and we need things to discuss, we'll bring that up and we'll talk about pound for pound list, end of year pound for pound list. All right. So it, it, I, I bring all this up as a segue into the latest announcement of a future announcement announcement. Last week, we got uh, that very same announcement about Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. They have apparently agreed to terms, agreed in principle, quote, unquote. Any any of those expressions you want to throw out there? You guys have heard this stuff a million times, just like me. Um, They've agreed to terms for a Vegas fight, a fight in Las Vegas at some point next year. There's zero date, zero venue. T-Mobile Arena. It's going to be it's going to be an MGM property. Well, that's not saying much. MGM owns Las Vegas. But it's going to be a casino property where there's a site fee and all that. Uh, But there's no details. You know why? Because the fight's not official. It's not official. By the way, I got a um, real quick tangent before I get into this. Because, you know, if I get heated talking about stuff, I need to be careful. I don't want to offend any sensitive ears. Uh, One of you guys left a comment on TNC337 on the YouTube 
last week. And I, you know, I, I rarely get to my comments on YouTube anymore. I'm just too freaking busy. I used to acknowledge and respond to all of them. Those days have long passed. It's, it's hard enough for me to respond to most of my tweets these days. Right. But, um, one of you guys said, and I don't remember the exact quote, but, um, it's something to the effect of it's hard watching an intellectually lazy 43 year old <clears throat> swear so much because he has a limited vocabulary or something like that. <laughs> and look, I get hateful comments all day. I mean, every day, all day. Like I got a couple this weekend because I posted a video of me working out and some guy just, he had some really nasty things to say. I mean, people are really, really nasty online, but I found that particularly hilarious because you're calling a guy who's going off of three hours of sleep with a newborn baby and is still finding time on top of working his full-time job, supporting his wife and a newborn baby, finding the time to do a two-hour-long podcast on a Monday evening, and you're calling that person intellectually lazy because I swore a few times. But don't worry, Buttercup. I will do my best not to swear, okay? And I'll pat you on the bottom and tell you you're special so you can feel like a big hero. I won't swear in this episode, just for you, Buttercup, all right? We'll keep, we'll keep it PG so you can feel great about yourself, all right? Okay, anyway, back to Davis and Garcia. Uh, look, no matter what I tweet about Trevante Davis, and I know we're not on Twitter right now, this is a YouTube show, I, I get it, but the boxing media lives on Twitter, okay? So I have to talk about Twitter on the show, guys, because that's the space where everything happens. And the announcement of uh, future announcement announcements that we keep getting are made specifically for Twitter. That's why they do this, okay? So anyway, if I say anything about Javante Davis, people just lose their damn minds. And I'm not gonna talk about all the trolls or whatever, but I mentioned the fact that, listen, you know what fight is official? Javante Davis is fighting Hector Luis Garcia January 7th in Washington, D.C. It's probably going to be at that um, MGM property they got there at Oxon Hill. I think it's, that's probably where, but maybe not. Maybe they'll go somewhere else with it, but it will be in D.C. January 7th. And guys, if they have announced the venue, please correct me, but I didn't, I didn't realize there was a venue yet. Uh, at least I wasn't aware of it. So, um, so yeah, literally just after New Year's, first uh, Saturday of the month, I believe, you're going to get Tank Davis versus a guy that is uh, top ranked, you know, ranked in the top 10 in his division, but that's 130 pounds. Um, and I had guys arguing with me this weekend that um, Tank is, is not a bigger fighter than, Gar than Garcia. This is Hector Garcia we're talking about because Hector Garcia is taller. And I had to explain to people with very limited minds, but don't worry, I won't swear, um, that height is not the only determinant when you're talking about natural size and strength. And Hector Luis Garcia is 31 years old as far as entire professional career at 126 and 130. Tang Davis is three years younger and has fought as high as 140. So he's clearly naturally stronger and, and physically bigger and stronger. That is Tank Davis than Hector Luis Garcia, who, by the way, fought as a bantamweight in the Olympics, representing his homeland. So I mentioned this <clears throat> because. Tank Davis has pretty much had an entire career feasting either on smaller guys 
uh, like this, you know, Hector Luis Garcia is in his prime, prime fighter right now, peaking. So you get a guy like that, you move him up in weight, right? A guy who is really a 126, 130, move him up in weight. He's rated very highly at 130, but not at 135, not at 140. Tank had no issue going up to 140 for Mario Barrios, right? To fight for his quote unquote fourth world title in a fourth weight class, which is all nonsense. So it, it's just, it's um, opportunistic matchmaking at best, okay? Good opponent. I like Hector Luis Garcia. I'd really like this fight at 130. 135, it's a solid fight. Don't get me wrong. It's not pay-per-view worthy. It's going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. It's on a pay-per-view worthy fight, but it's a good solid scrap. I bring all this up because on Twitter I mentioned, I didn't even get into the size thing because that's just what Gervonta Davis and his team do. And I, I, for an interim fight, this is a good quality matchup for him. I ain't even hate it. It's probably, probably might be the best opponent of his career to date, if we're being honest. Probably right up there with Pedraza, at least on paper. But the announcement for Ryan Garcia, why drop that a day or two before the announcement of Hector Garcia? Why tell the media and everybody on social media and even have a fight poster and this big announcement come out about Tank Davis fighting Ryan Garcia and a day or two later say, oh, but but first we're fighting Hector Luis Garcia on pay-per-view, right? Why do that? It's called marketing, people. That's all it is. So if I bring up the fact that the whole thing between Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia is just fluff, it's to get social media traffic, it's to get people talking, and it's really essentially being used as a promotional ploy to get to try to encourage people to pay for a, another fight that is not pay-per-view worthy, which they've been fed with Javante Davis now for a few years. It's a means to try to promote that fight, saying, hey, buy this fight. Because if Tank passes this test, the very next fight's going to be Ryan Garcia. But here's the thing that they're not telling fans, gullible, casual fans. The fight, again, with Ryan Garcia is not official. There's no venue. Now, they're holding a few venues in a couple different cities on a few different dates, right? We know that. But there's nothing official yet. It's not as if the, the T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted. Not true at all. But also, Javante Davis has some court cases. He's got some court cases in the spring. I believe it's in the spring at some point next year. It's one or two of them. A couple pending cases, I believe. At least one. Um and it's it's ticky tack kind of stuff. It's not like he's you know on trial for murder or something like that. He's probably not going to do any prison time because billionaires don't do prison time in America. But he might get community service. He uh, it is put, there is the potential that he could lose his boxing license briefly, depending on what happens. Um, it's it's unlikely, but it is possible. So those sorts of things you got to put out there. So I just, I found the announcement of a future announcement announcement funny. All that being said, if and when Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia fight next year, I like to fight. You know, I I, I really like that matchup and I'm, I'm going to watch it live. It's one of those kind of fights that we need a lot more of in boxing, particularly American boxing. But I saw a lot of people reacting and, and saying things like, this is two superstars. Oh my God, two superstars putting their undefeated records on the line. Oh my gosh, this is the biggest fight since, and naming fights that were years ago, decades ago even. 
And people really meant this. And I understand why some yes men in the media do this. Uh, they're clutching to the, you know, the, the last vestiges of, of the position they once had in the sport. So I get why they're doing it. They're just they're desperate people. Um, I also get why some casual fans are doing it because they really live in a world where they're like, you see how many guys, so many followers he's got on TikTok? This guy's a superstar. Let me put this thing in perspective, though. And this isn't me being a, a, a quote unquote old guy and, and, and trying to say that like my generation was better. I totally understand it. What, what do I always talk about on this show? The boxing landscape changes every generation, right? I've been one of the guys pounding the drum saying that media is changing. It's going to streaming platforms and cable TV is a dinosaur. And think, you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm not the guy, the 65 year old dude on Twitter, you know, who's been a boxing writer for the last 40 years and is gripping on to the last piece of work I have left. And, and in saying things like, oh, no one fights on an app. Who cares if they fight on an app? You know, you got to fight on regular TV. I'm not being that dude. The game has changed, okay? However, comparing these two guys, calling them superstars, when there's maybe two superstars in boxing right now, true superstars globally, if you want to lighten that term a little bit, maybe there's five, okay? But you could count them with one hand. Trying to compare these guys to Canelo Alvarez or even Anthony Joshua, or I'm going to say it, even Gennady Golovkin on a global level, even Ryoto Morata in his home country, these guys are not there. And my proof of that is in the numbers. I don't care how many followers they have on TikTok. I don't care how many knockouts Tank has had that have trended, the GIF or the video clip has trended on social media for a couple of days after his fight. I don't care about that. I don't care how many rappers talk about him and walk him to the ring. And none of that matters when you're talking about how many people are buying their fights, how many people are buying tickets to their fights, how many people are spending their money to watch them. On that scale, neither Javante Davis nor Ryan Garcia is a superstar. And I'm not saying that to hate because I get accused of that a lot. I'm also not saying it to, to be a, boomer and say that, um, you know, the nineties was better. The seventies was better. I, I'm not going there. I'm just telling you guys in historical boxing terms, neither one of these fighters is a superstar. Now they're on their way, but they need fights like this more than one of them. They need several fights like this to get to that, that level, right? The face of boxing right now is Canelo. Is Canelo as popular as Floyd Mayweather was the previous face of boxing? I would argue no. Or Manny Pacquiao, they were kind of like the 1A and 1B faces of boxing in the last generation. I would argue no. Were Floyd and Manny on the level that Oscar De La Hoya was? I would argue no. Was Oscar De La Hoya on the level Mike Tyson was? I would argue no. And so on and so on, I could go with this, okay? Um, the, 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 the scope of the sport, is definitely more global than it's ever been. But American fighters, American-based fighters, um, their scope has shrunk in this sport, okay? Uh, they used to be the big fish in a smaller pond. Now they're the smaller fish in, a, in an ocean because things have changed. You know, the, the, the doors that used to be locked in other countries have opened up. And there's multiple uh, media outlets now in multiple countries, multiple continents that um, are, are doing well with boxing. So anyway, 
bringing all this uh, round circle, um, Tank and Garcia. Javante Davis is marketed as a four division champion. Ryan Garcia is marketed as a superstar because of all the social media followers he has. Neither one of those are really true. And I, I, I talk about, you know, how and why, and I've broken it down a thousand times on the show. I'm not going to do that here. What I'm going to say is in a historical context, okay, this isn't me arguing about which generation's better, this, that, the other thing. It's just when you look at boxing through the centuries, since the landscape does change, you go from one title to two to three to four, and then some title, some organizations have three or four titles in the same division. You know, all these different things, all these different factors change the way you have to look at the sport in a historical context. In a historical context, this fight, which we don't even know if it's going to really happen because it's not even official yet, but if Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia fight next year, it is a fight between two young unproven contenders finally stepping up in class to the elite level, fighting a guy at, in their physical prime and in their real weight. That's what it will be. I don't care what the sanctioning organizations say, or I don't care what Golden Boy says. Uh, I don't care what PBC says. I don't care what the WBA or Showtime or DAZN or any of them say. That's what that matchup will be. All right, we will revisit it later on, I am sure. Okay, moving on. Look at that. I didn't swear once. So you sensitive types out there, you can feel better, okay? You can feel better. Aaron with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. He says, Mike, have you read The Devil and Sonny Liston? I read it 24 years ago. It was one of the first books written by a legitimate literary intent, with legitimate literary intent. I've heard of this book. I have not read it. I would love to check it out, though, for real. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard good things about that book. And I actually know several people who I really respect who have read it. Okay. Let's, um, let's do this review. Not a whole hell of a lot to talk about last, uh, Saturday, November 19th. Oh, you know what? Before I go to Mexico, I'm going to go just North to Texas. I got to I got to mention this. Hasim Rahman lost to a former NFL player who is a boxing novice Greg Hardy, who weighed 320 pounds for this fight. Uh, he's a former NFL player, made his pro debut in boxing last month. This was his second pro fight. And uh, for Rachman, you know, went to distance. It was a four-rounder. Rachman, you know, fighting four-rounders. Crazy. Um, this is a guy who was, you know, favored by many people to beat Jake Paul when they were supposed to fight. Remember that whole thing and the whole weight debacle? And, and Rachman tried to make it look like it was Paul being shady. Well... I think now we kind of know who was full of crap. See, I didn't say full of, I said full of crap. Um, I think we now know. So Hasim Rachman lost to a guy that he clearly, I, Rachman had like over 100 amateur fights. With his level of experience, you got to beat this guy. You have to. You have to beat this guy, okay? Uh, you got to beat a guy that I would be competitive with. Got to beat him. And he didn't. He clearly lost this fight for rounders. So no, Hasim Rahman is 0-2 in 2022. I only bring this up because of the whole scenario with Jake Paul and the way that whole thing went down. Not that I'm defending all of Jake Paul's antics, but I think it's very, very clear based upon what has played out since that whole thing happened, who was more full of crap. Moving on. Guadalajara, Mexico. 
uh, Golden Boy Promotions on the Zone, or maybe this was—I think this was Zan for Promotions. Either way, it's broadcast on the Zone. Jaime Munguia improves to forty-one and zero with a KO three win over Gonzalo Gaston Correa from Argentina. Uh, this is a guy who has stepped up twice in his career. Once in 2020 against Janabek Alamkanala, it was KO'd in two rounds, and now here in 2022, and he was flattened in three rounds by Munguia. So another thing, I, another question I posed this weekend on Twitter. Interestingly enough, I didn't get any hateful comments for this one. Interesting. But I asked, does Jaime Munguia have the most empty O in the sport of boxing? Meaning he has an O on his record. He's undefeated. But is it the most uh, or, or the most worthless undefeated record in all of boxing at the moment? And of course, there are plenty of people with undefeated records. I'm talking about undefeated records of guys who are touted as you know championship level fighters. Okay. And the results were interesting. A lot of you guys felt he was. A lot of you guys thought that Zerto Ramirez was. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and since he lost to Bivol, now you guys said that Mungia has that crown. But some of you guys, you know, you brought up other names. Some of you guys brought up Jamal Charlo, Demetrius Andre, other names like that. But most of you seem to feel that Mungia is the guy right now that has the most worthless undefeated record in the sport. I do find it interesting. I did not get one negative comment on that question. But if I talk about Gervonta Davis farting, I'll get pounded uh, on social media. It's just funny how these things work. Anyway, um, nobody seemed to have an issue with that question. In fact, a lot of people uh, jumped on and felt, yeah, he is. Um, it, it, the, the record's useless. It really is useless. Here's some silver lining for all of you, okay? At least Jaime Munguia fought three times this year. How many boxers at his level actually fought three times this year? Further. He dominated all three of his opponents. The opponents were, they were showcase opponents, right? It was him against B-level opposition. I hear you. He didn't carry them. We've seen some other fighters, including some fighters that are uh, being considered for fighter of the year. I'm going to go to Jesse Bam Rodriguez right now. He had a showcase matchup on the Canelo Golovkin trilogy fight card. And he kind of carried a guy that a lot of people thought he would flatten. So Mungia against this level of opposition is doing what he's supposed to do. All right. So I will give him that much credit. He fought three times this year. It was weak opposition, all three fights, but he did what he was supposed to do in those fights. He was dominant. He was a decisive winner. Clearly he's waiting for the Gennady Golovkin fight next year. And I've been telling you guys this all this year that that's what they wanted. But Golovkin already had his 2022 mapped out. He has his early 2023 mapped out because he has to fight Falco, the uh, mandatory. So we're going to get another one of these showcase fights for Mungia early next year. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger, but that's what's going to happen. While Golovkin's fighting his mandatory, Mungia is going to want to stay busy and he's going to fight another one of these kind of matchups. But at some point next year, maybe it's in the summer, maybe it's in the fall. Market, Gennady Golovkin, Jaime Munguia will fight. It may go to Vegas at a casino. They may totally sell out and take it to a casino. It might go to Texas. It might go to LA. There's an outside chance it could go to Mexico City because Golovkin uh, has told me and uh, Tom Loeffler's told me 
Um, they'd love to do a fight in Mexico City before it's all over with the Mexican following that Golovkin has. Munguia's from Mexico, so that makes a lot of sense. So that's going to happen next year. Now, we could debate who's going to win that fight and how it's going to We'll debate that later. But it's a pretty attractive fight in terms of styles and because of where Golovkin is in his career and where Munguia is in his career in re regards to his physical prime. He's going to be a giant compared to Golovkin when they fight. He's going to look so much bigger than Triple G. Anyway, that's what they're doing over there. So it was announced that um, the WBO mandated a fight between Jaime Munguia and Janibek Alamkanala. First bid, December 5th, and it has to begin at 200000 So if you bid 200000 boom, you're in the bid process for that fight. Um, I don't expect that fight to happen. I think that Munguia is going to back out of that mandatory position. I don't see him taking on Janibek while he's got a fight with Golovkin, you're negotiating that behind the scenes. You guys also got to remember, Golovkin has experience with Golden Boy uh, negotiating with them because I think the first Canelo fight, maybe even the second Canelo fight too, um, but definitely the first one, Canelo was with Golden Boy at the time. So there's a relationship there. I, I really think a fight between Triple G and Mogia is, is likely next year if everything works out the way both sides want it. Uh, so is, is, he gonna, is Mogia going to risk that by fighting Janabek? I don't think so. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the WBO does there. Really quick, looking at Mugia's resume, 41-0. What's his best win? You know what's a really underrated win? In 2017, at 147, he was still really, really young. And I think this fight was in Mexico where it's really easy to not make weight, <laughs> to like cheat. And I'm, I'm sorry, but it just is. Um, at 147, he he fought Juan Montiel and beat him, beat him pretty decisively. That might be the best one of his career, all things considered, because Munguia was really young and Montiel went on uh, at 160 to have some success. I mean, he's lost when he stepped up, but he had a tough fight with Charlo, a real tough fight with Charlo. So that's a pretty underrated win for Munguia. But also he fought Liam Smith. At 154 in 2018, is that his best win? And then earlier this year, he beat Demetrius Ballard. That was at 160. That's probably his best win at 160. I don't know what his best win is. Maybe it's Liam Smith. Don't say Gabe Rosado because Gabe Rosado was ancient, lost his very next fight, um, or at least he might have won one right afterwards, but he he didn't look very good, okay? Uh, he was clearly past his best. So, um I can't, I can't say it's Gabe Rosado. I don't know what his best win is, but man, Mugia's resume is bad. And I've beat up on um, Demetrius Andre, Jamal Charlo, those guys for a long time, and deservingly so. Their resumes are shit. I've talked about da David Benavidez, Caleb Plant before the Canelo fight. His resume was shit. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, all those guys. We got to include Jaime Mugia in that list. His resume sucks. But he's going to get that Golovkin fight next year, and he's going to get a big fat payday, and he's going to be a live dog in that fight, just because of where Golovkin's at. I'm not saying I favor Mugia to win. I'm not saying that, but he will be a very, very live dog. I think, you know, Vegas will have Golovkin as the favorite, but um, not by much. All right, a couple quick super chats. We have one from One Foot Out the Door. Thank you so much. He says, you should have replied to that guy. F you pay me. Yeah, really, really. These guys are, are just hilarious, man. Again, I, I, 
I, I'm, I, I don't want to complain or get on the soapbox guys, but you, those of you, you know, who, who watch the show every week, uh, you know, how, how crazy things are for me right now. So to sit down here and do a two hour show, not only is it a sacrifice for me, it's a big sacrifice for my wife because it's two hours where she's 100% alone with the baby. Um, and, and you got to keep in mind, it's not that I just come here and turn on the camera and go, I got to prepare notes. I got to prepare a structure for the show and blast it out there on social media and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a process, man. And, uh, somebody bad. Cause I swore a couple times. Hilarious. CJ Duncan with the super chat. Thank you so much, CJ. He says, uh, sources say Black Friday will be this Friday and there will be a big time sale somewhere. Mike Cappinger, <laughs> hashtag he's thirsty for clicks. Hashtag where did journalism go? Hey, you said that, not me, CJ. Um, Black Friday cracks me up, dude. Real quick. Is there anyone on the show that like does the Black Friday thing? Because like, I've never understood this. Um, are they really discounting the TV at, I don't know, Best Buy or whatever, or Costco? Like, are they really discounting it when they have a $600 TV and they say, oh, it's $500 now? Or was it always a $500 TV that they were marking up to $600 all freaking year? That's the way I look at it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going out and waiting in lines to buy a bunch of crap. Besides, you can just go on Amazon. It will come right to your door. <clears throat> anyway. There will be a sale somewhere, I'm sure. Okay, uh, let's do the preview thing. Let's do the preview thing. All right, we got some stuff going on. Ahmed <laughs> says, listening to the beginning, laugh my blank off. Uh, I seen that comment about your vocabulary. Yeah, look, my vocabulary isn't, it's not Harvard level vocabulary, but I've gotten a lot better, okay? Growing up where I did, um, I had a horrible vocabulary when I was in my teens, early 20s. It was okay being in the Marine Corps, working construction, which I did. I worked concrete. I did different things like that. Um, you know, just growing up around my dad and my uncles and stuff like that, it, the guys did not have the biggest vocabulary. I've worked really hard at it, dude. It's, it's going to sound funny to some of you guys, but I've read a lot of books. I've been in a lot of meetings and, and writing articles. And boxing has really helped me learn new words and stuff. I've gone to meetings and um, had to write down words during the meeting. Like I heard people say, I'd be like, what does this mean? Heretofore, what does that word mean? And after the meeting, I go look it up. I've literally, this happened a lot, and, but I've worked hard at it. All right. I think I'm doing okay. But, uh, you know, apparently I'm an intellectually lazy 43-year-old with a bad vocabulary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the comments, dude. The comments here, but especially on Twitter, uh, are just hilarious. You guys are awesome. All right, preview time. This Saturday, November 26th, we've got a few different uh, fight cards to talk about. Let's start over in London where there's two major cards. Two. Uh, Queensbury Promotions has a card at O2 Arena. This will be broadcast here in America on ESPN+. In the main event, a vacant interim uh, super middleweight title belt is on the line. Zach Parker, 22-0, going up against John Ryder. This is a fun domestic level, you know, UK domestic level matchup. I think the atmosphere would be good in the arena. Um, I don't know how full it's going to be because there's two big cards on the same day, right? We'll talk about the other one in a second, but um, 
I like the matchup in terms of just styles. I do think it will deliver action. As I mentioned, Parker is 22-0. and 0. He's actually coming off a one-year layoff. A lot of that's not his fault. He was briefly slated to, to face Demetrius Andrade. Andrade stalled. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But um, now he's in a position to fight for this interim WBO super middleweight belt. We all know who the undisputed super middleweight champion is. So if he were to win this fight, what's funny is, you know, it was Andrade who vacated his belt at 160 to move up to 168 and hopefully fight for a title there and get the shot at the money man, Canelo. Parker's going to get that shot first or Ryder, whoever wins this fight, they'll get that opportunity first before Andrade because he he's a terrible manager of his business. Oh my God. Uh, so that's, what's ironic about this whole thing. The last year and how this has all played out, Zach Parker, if he wins this fight, and I think he should, he is coming off that layoff and everything, but he's just a level above John, R John Ryder, who did beat Daniel Jacobs in February. You know, he did have that win, but it was seen as controversial. A lot of people thought Jacobs won either way, even being competitive with a faded Daniel Jacobs, that, that's, Good experience for John Ryder. And he's got that momentum coming into this fight where Parker has been stagnant. Anyway, I just think Parker's going to win. I favor him to win. He's going to end up being in line to face Canelo before Demetrius Andrade. Uh, and Andrade had an opportunity to get in line had he made the fight with Parker that was originally supposed to happen earlier this year. Funny the way these things work out. Um, and yes, I'm leaving out some details. I don't feel like going into it for the millionth time. Also, uh, in London, same night, this Saturday, Matchroom has a card at Wembley. So you got one at O2, one at Wembley, two like storied venues, right? Um, there in London, we'll have some boxing action. This one will be broadcast on DAZN. You're going to have heavyweights in action. Dillian White, 35 years old, going up against the younger Jermaine Franklin, who is 20 nine years old. And White, of course, lost his last fight. That was in April, was knocked out by Tyson Fury. And look, going back to 2019, okay, 2020, 2021, and so far this year, White is one and two. He um, he was knocked out by Povetkin, came back and knocked him out, and it was knocked out by Fury. So he's been knocked out a couple times. On paper, he should win this fight. Because I just think he has more power, way more experience, and even more momentum in activity than Franklin, who has been really inactive. Franklin had, um, I'm looking here, he had one fight in 2019. Oh, I'm sorry, he's had one fight since 2019. He had no fights in 2020 or 2021. He had one fight this year in May. He weighed a career high 277 pounds. So is he still heavy like that? Has he worked that weight off and gotten back down like in the 240s, I think, 230s, 240s, where he normally is? Uh, Dillian White has had weight problems too. There, there's a lot of questions, right? We'll have to see how they look at the weigh-in. But I love heavyweights, and I'm, I'm going to be checking this out. I just enjoy watching heavyweights. And Dillian White, sometimes he looks really, really bad. But he always has that explosive left hook. And sometimes he just has little bursts of, I'm not going to say greatness, but little bursts of um, action. And he can deliver some really entertaining fights. Win, lose, or draw, 
you can't tell me those fights with Povetkin weren't entertaining. And that fight with Tyson Fury wasn't entertaining. He's had some really entertaining matchups over the years. I've enjoyed watching him, even though he can look like crap sometimes. I'm interested in this fight, man. Uh, also, um, undefeated heavyweight prospect Fabio Wardley, 14-0. He fights on the undercard. Okay. Here in the United States, in Carson, California, at the Dignity Health Sports Park. So that is South L.A. On Fight TV pay-per-view for $60. Marv Nation Promotions presents Regis Progray versus Jose Zapata for the vacant WBC junior welterweight title. This is the title, one of the titles that Josh Taylor had that has been stripped because he's doing the right thing and wants to rematch Catterall because they had a close controversial fight recently. So uh, he's basically being punished for doing the right thing. And the WBC is getting their sanction and fee here. Um, that they're trying to get Zapata this belt. That's basically what the WBC is trying to do here. Uh, anyway, for pro grade, he, uh, since that loss to Josh Taylor in 2019, he's only had three fights, dude. 2020, 2021, almost all of 2022. He's only had three fights. So he's gotten a little more active this year. He already had a fight earlier this year. Um, I like that. He's a guy that I want to see fight three times a year. I really do at least twice a year. I really like Regis program. I think he has a great personality. I think that he's really fun to watch a really entertaining style. And he's just one of those guys. I just like, I'm just a fan of the kid. I, I, I've talked to him before when I've interviewed him and stuff. I've, uh, I've covered several of his fights live. Um, here in Atlanta, in New Orleans, I've covered some of his fights. Fun fighter, and I want to see more of him. Um, so, him and Zapata, who is a southpaw, very interesting matchup, man. Um, I mentioned Progray not being the most active. Zapata himself hasn't fought since last October. So, he's coming off of what was that, 13 month? Well, I'm intellectually lazy, but I could do the math. 13 month layoff. So, how's he going to look? How, you know, momentum's got to favor Progray a little bit here, but in terms of like opposition and stuff, Zapata's probably had the better recent opposition. And um, I, I just, either way, style wise, this will be a great fight. Now, should it be pay per view? No, it, it just shouldn't. I talked at the very beginning of the show about Gervonta Davis, Hector Luis Garcia. That fight should not be on pay-per-view, but you guys are going to be asked to pony up $75 for that for Showtime pay-per-view. If I'm going to be critical of that, I got to be critical of this fight. Even though I like this matchup a lot, I really, really do. I like both these fighters. I'm a fan of Zapata as well. It's just Progray is one of my favorites. He, he might be like what my top five fighters right now to watch. Definitely top 10. Um, having said all that though, man, I can't justify this being on pay-per-view. I really, really can't. The only thing I could say is there's a couple interesting fights on this undercard. Um, the one that I'll mention, Charles Conwell, friend of the show, 17-0, going up against Juan Carlos Abreu. Uh, Abreu and that's at 154. Uh, Conwell, one of the better young contenders. I'm going to say he's a contender now. He's past the prospect stage, in my opinion. Young contender at 154. It's interesting to watch him fight. And there's a couple other guys on this undercard. Um, I don't know how many fights you get for this fight TV pay-per-view, to be honest with you guys. I don't know if they show you everything or you just get like three or four fights. I'm not sure how that's structured there. But um, I could see both guys winning this fight. 
I really, really can. Um, the other fights I've mentioned, you know, I like Parker to beat Ryder. Probably go to the cards, probably decision. I like White to stop Franklin if he's sharp, if he's sharp and on point. This fight, though, hmm, Pro Grays of Paydup could go either way. You could make a case for either guy, flip a coin. That's why I like this matchup. But is it worth 60 bucks? That's up to you guys. If you like the matchup and it's worth it to you, um, you can pony up to 60 bucks and check it out. But I know a lot of you guys are going to be watching college football and stuff like that. That's free. <laughs> so that's probably what a lot of you guys are going to be doing. Um, and then some of you guys will find a stream, like an illegal stream to watch this. Um, either way, though, I, I, I love this fight and I, I got to find a way to watch it. Okay. Oh, Gail, that's right. You know what? Real quick. Uh, Gail mentions also on the other card is Ruben Torres, the Thompson boxing prospect. He's the guy who clocked his opponent while he was whining to the referee. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Ruben Torres is another guy. Um, it's on the undercard. I mean, there, there's a couple interesting fighters on this undercard. I'll give them that. It's actually the best. I'm looking at my notes. It's, it's the best card hands down of the weekend. That's really not saying much. Honestly, though, it's the best card top to bottom uh, really of the last couple weeks, honestly. So does, does that make, does that make it worth $60? I don't know. Only you can answer that. Only the consumer can answer that question. Uh, a couple more super chats. Let me, um, let me jump to these real quick. And Anthony Santiago and thank you, brother. Says Hope G just calls it a day. It doesn't give someone undeserving a W on his resume. Ryan deserves some credit for pushing for that fight. That won't happen. Interesting. Yeah, look, man. Um, Golovkin is one of those guys that I hope he doesn't fight on too long. You could almost argue now that he's fought a little too long because um, he's had his signature paydays and stuff, and it's like. You know, go out with a W in that mandatory fight, and then he can walk into the sunset, you know, maybe do a homecoming fight or something. I don't know. But um, I hear what you're saying. I think because G is so good for his age that he's able to kind of fight on a little longer, and um, it'll be justified. But you're right. He could end up fighting on long enough to where a guy that he would flatten in his prime could beat him. It could happen. It's it's a very common tale in this sport. There are not many happy endings in this sport. It's very, very rare. Most fighters, you know, you look at a guy like even like Lennox Lewis, right? He went out as champion. He went out with a win, but it was a really ugly win. And a lot of fans were really unhappy with him that he did not rematch Vitaly Klitschko. A lot of people felt that he got away with one there because he was down on the cards. It was an injury that stopped the fight, right? So even though Lennox went out at the top and he's really, really well respected as like a top five all-time heavyweight, definitely top 10, there's still like his last win was kind of ugly, right? It didn't end with a bang. So there's just very few happy endings in this sport, man. And then, um, you know, Aunt, your comment about Ryan Garcia deserves some credit for pushing for the tank fight that you don't think is going to happen. I agree. Um, I, I just want to see... I just want to see the fight happen. And until then, I'm not going to give either guy too much credit. But this is something I talked about on my Twitter, just, just saying that you know, I if the matchup actually happens, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to watch it live. 
it, it will definitely be pay-per-view, but that's one where I'll probably go to a bar here in town. Um, if I'm training, I'll just sit there and drink club soda, which is what I did this year when I was training for a fight. And I went to a bar to watch Fury White. I sat there and drank club soda. I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll go to a bar. I'll go to like, um, if, if I have friends that are having a house party, we'll watch it there. But like, I can't give these guys too much credit. Like there were people pretty much acting like these guys cured cancer for announcing that they might announce a fight officially in the future. It's crazy. This is the kind of matchup that these dudes should be fighting once a year. Seriously. If we're being honest, especially if you're charging 70, 80 bucks, but I give the kid credit. Let's see if the fight actually happens. Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much. Aaron says, yo, Mike, I know ESPN is a laughing stock, but anyone who ranks Errol Spence above the likes of Alexander Usyk, Dimitri Bevel and Canelo Alvarez needs to be sent to the gallows. Yeah, dude. ESPN's pound for pound list is really bad. They've got the right names for the most part, but I want to say they have like Terrence Crawford, number one, which is a joke. Like he might be the best fighter in the world, but he just hasn't done the work the last few years to warrant that rating. They have Tyson Fury, like in the top five, Tyson Fury doesn't belong in the pound for pound list at all. The, the pound for pound list was created specifically to leave out Tyson Fury. Like historically, that's why the list was created to, to push a guy like Fury off the list. Because in theory, Fury is the top fighter in the sport. If you're the heavyweight champ, you can beat everybody else, right? In theory, Usyk may break that theory, but that's the theory. Uh, so the pound for pound list was created for Fury. It's ridiculous, dude. But yeah, Errol Spence above Usyk is criminal, criminal. And I agree with you. At this point, you got to write Bevel and Canelo above Errol Spence. But at least you can make an argument, right? Um, because Spence has unified belts. Bevel hasn't. Um, Canelo lost a fight recently. Spence is undefeated. Now, I'm not saying I agree with those things. I'm just saying you can make an argument, right? But Spence above Usyk right now is just criminal. Just absolutely criminal. ESPN is just horrible. I can't, I can't even watch their shows anymore. I used to like enjoy their, their football shows and stuff like that. I, I just can't watch any of that crap. Okay. Let's jump to the phones, everybody. Let's see what we got. We're going to start off with Nacho, the Nacho man. What's up, Nacho? How you doing, man? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Not much. Um, so as far as the fights this weekend, I definitely am looking forward to uh, Zapata and Progress the most. I think that fight's probably going to be the fight of the weekend for sure because, uh, like you said, both of those guys are top five contenders in the division, and they both are coming to try to win that belt and kind of put themselves back in the mix to get some more paydays. Um, so for sure, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. The rest of the card, uh, I'm not really all that thrilled about i just think it's kind of a lot of uh you know a lot of just stay busy fights for guys that are on there i i definitely am gonna be glad that uh charles conwell's on there because it's been a while since we've seen him fight so the fact that they put him on there was interesting uh i didn't even know he was on the card because his uh name wasn't listed on the card when i looked at it the other day so 
I'll be curious to see uh, what he looks like after having been gone for a while. Um, the the two London cards. Um, I'm curious to see this uh, Zach Parker guy, Mike, because I haven't seen much of him, and a lot of people seem to rate him really highly. They think he could be a legit contender at 68. And to me, Ryder is the guy that, you know, even though he's not uh, like a knockout, uh, one-punch knockout guy or he doesn't really have a big name, the guy's battle-tested. And he's been in there with some tough fighters. So I'm curious to see um, how good Zach Parker is based on how he does against um, John Ryder. But I think that's going to definitely be an interesting fight. I think Ryder should give this kid a test for sure. I don't think that he's going to just uh, walk walk through uh, Ryder. I think Parker is definitely – we're going to see how good Parker really is with this fight um, on Saturday. And then the um, – jeez, um, I'm blanking. So about um, White, the Dillian White the fight? Other, yeah. Yeah, there you go, Mike. Um, <clears throat> the Dillian White fight. Like you said, if Franklin's in shape, I think it could be a really good fight. But that's a big if. Like you said, he was almost 280 pounds in his last fight. So unless he's like at least in the two, you know, high 240s, low 250s, yeah, I'm not sure how good of a fight it might be. But then at the same time, though, Dillian White's kind of starting to creep over the edge of being, you know, over the hill a little bit. And then he's also incorporating Buddy McGirt as his new trainer um, for this fight. So I'd be curious to see how that union is going to work out as far as um, what he's going to be able to teach uh, Dillian White um, for this fight and, and see what kind of uh, little wrinkles he might have added to his game. And um, I was going to actually uh, comment on the, the whole um, Tank Garcia um, announcement, Mike. I thought it was comical, like when I said on Twitter, when you asked about it, I thought it was comical that people got so upset that they thought that my take of that fight being a boxing after dark main event 15, 20 years ago was like an insult to the fight. And I'm thinking to myself, no, it's not, because neither guy has proven to be a superstar. They're stars, quote unquote, according to their um, fan bases and their promoters, but neither one is a legit superstar at this point. Exactly. So the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, whoever wins this fight becomes a, a, a bigger star, while the loser has to kind of go back to the drawing board and kind of regroup and see what they're going to do. But yeah, the fact that people got offended, I just found that like to be really hilarious. I was like, you got to be kidding me! Like it's it's legitimately two prospects slash contenders fighting each other. Neither one of them is like the man in the division right now. <laughs> so it just, it, it just struck me as pretty hilarious that people were so offended by my take. And, um, <clears throat> I just wanted to bring up one thing really quick, Mike. I saw, um, I don't know if you've seen Zolani Teddy, um, got busted for uh, a positive test, um, for his last fight. And it looks like he might be facing up to uh, a possible four-year ban. Uh, oh. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I'm just I'm pulling it up right now. There's um, the Daily Dispatch, a South African newspaper, reported on that he uh, tested positive. But what what substance was it? Did it say? 
I honestly don't. I didn't see what the substance was. I, from what I read, it just said he tested positive, but I didn't see what the exact substance was. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for right now. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's not giving details. It's just a banned substance. I guess we'll find out more later. But yeah, damn, dude, that sucks. Yeah, I know. I mean, talk about a guy whose career has just kind of fallen off a cliff the last yeah, few man. years. A few years ago, we thought he was going to be a legit threat to uh, Inoue at 118. And then the whole debacle with him getting stripped of his belt um, for Casemiro. And then now him testing positive. It's like, man, his career has just gone in the crapper the last couple of years. And he might not. He might not be able to recover from this one if he does get banned because he's already like 34 years old. So he would That's be old ancient for a little by the time he would try to come back. Yeah. Yeah. So he would be ancient by the time he tried to. So pretty much to me, this is a retirement if he ends up uh, not being able to prove his innocence. You know, I think his career is over unless he can prove that it wasn't a, it's a false positive. But, you know, so. All right, Mike. Um, are you going to do a, sh- a show? Well, no, you probably won't do one Friday, right? I don't so know. Yeah. My family's probably going to be here. Although um, my sister said her two boys are sick right now. So if they're sick, I'm telling them to stay home. So if my family ain't here, I'll definitely do a show. If my family's here, it's just going to be too loud and <laughs> be too crazy. So I won't. So I- I'm 50 50, dude. 50 50. <clears throat> oh, all right. Well, then I'll just keep checking to see if you do end up doing one or not. Okay, All cool. Right, I'll just talk to you next week, Mike. All right, yeah. thanks, Nacho. All right, man. There he goes. There he goes. Um, yeah, you know, Anthony Santiago makes a good point. I think I think your relate your um this this uh, point you made is in reference to the tank versus King Rai. Announcement. You said, I think everyone's excited, basically, is what you're saying, because we have been so deprived of fights that we used to get on the regular 15 years ago. I hear you, man. I, I, I think and look, I'm excited for that fight, too. I just I, I can't help but like say, like, this is what it is, you know. Like, so like when I with the spin, when they're like, you know, it's champion versus champion, superstar versus superstar. TikTok's going to go wild. You know, I just like, dude, calm down. It's two undefeated, dynamic, explosive, exciting American fighters getting in the ring and fighting in their physical prime. I love all that. It's literally, you know, think of like Spence and Crawford. Think of if they had fought when they were still in their 20s. That's what Tank and and, uh, Garcia might be. Now, we don't know. We don't know if they're going to end up being that good, but it might be. Right. So, so um, I do give them credit if it happens. I'm with you. But man, some people just got so excited. It's like, man, did they, did they find a cure for AIDS? What the hell? Like, like people were like jumping up and down and it was just a little too much. The reaction kind of was funny to me. All right. Back to the phones. Let's talk to Luis. Luis, what's up, man? Mike, what's, Mike, what's going on? Long time no speak. Yeah, man. How you been? I've been good, bro. I've been keeping up with the show and uh, been looking forward to uh, every and every, each and every week, should I say. Uh, uh, really appreciate your, your time you do devote to us, you know, to the fans, to the boxing, you know, with your insight and Thank your you, opinions. To, uh, people, people like me, like, really uh, look forward to this. So, so just wanted to give you your flowers, you know, 
while Thank you. everybody else knocking your vocabulary. I'm <laughs> yeah. it, brother. My vocabulary is getting trashed <laughs> today. I'm trying today. I haven't I haven't swore once, Luis. So I've been good today. Man, you you, <clears throat> you good, brother. You you good. You good. But um, <laughs> uh, about this week, I'm really really looking forward to the, the pay the program fight, bro. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't get as much exposure that it should have. Like, yeah, really ain't, even like, it's you know, like under like, the uh, radar. Even the behind us, yeah, big time. Like the fight heights and the, um, you know, uh, fight hub that you know usually you know follow these guys and do interviews and they jam. We didn't get none of that shit, which is mm-hmm. you know kind of disappointing because this is a this is a, a big fight, big big ass fight from uh, from my opinion. Like the Peta has been you know um, basically dogged by WBC for the last couple of years, giving them you know a bunch of. Uh, elimination fights, silver titles, and a bunch of bullshit, you know, and, and, you know, he ain't had a shot. So he's finally getting it in pro grade. You know, he, you know, he was the man in the tournament, you know, in mm-hmm. uh, WBSS, the one Taylor won when he fought Taylor's only loss. So, you know, he still, he still won his get back. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting fight. And I, I just wish it, you know, wasn't like, I was kind of interested or happy that you buzzed me in as far as like the, um, the price. I'm like, well, what is, what is the price? I didn't know nothing about it. So, kind of disappointed 60 bucks, but I might have to pony up and do it just to, you know, to support the fight because, you know, I'm a, you know, like a big degenerate like most of your fans. Yeah, are. yeah. So, I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear your opinion on it. Like, how do you see it, honestly? I know you say you, you like pro grade, but how do you see the fight don't, uh, happening on, on railing? I think it's going to go the distance. I think both men are going to have moments. I think both men c- could be hurt in the fight. But I'm going to go with Pro Gray, um, maybe a 115, 113 kind of score. I just think he might have a little bit more in the, a little more fire in the belly. I don't know, just something about him. I, I just like Pro Gray, and I really think I, I want to see him in a rematch with Taylor because I think he'd be, he'd have a really good chance to win that fight. I, I just, I want him to get more active, man. And it sucks that his career has not been managed as well because I, I think someone like him he should be a star yeah you know what i i, I don't uh think it's helping him is all these uh fake ass catch wedges he's been doing like he ain't yeah. really been saying discipline even though he hasn't been active which is a big part but a lot of these 144s 142s like like come on bro like if you're really trying to be you know serious about uh, 40 Stay about that weight. You know what I mean? Like, stay disciplined. Like, that's that's a big thing. Obviously, you know, it's a it's a repetitive um, phrase that we say in boxing that you know inactivity is a boxer's worst enemy. But when you are active, you know, stay stay at your weight if you do true to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, he had a catch weight against uh, Juan Geraldez in 2020. And then a catchweight against Ivan Redcatch in Atlanta. I was there for that one. That was on the uh, one of those Jake Paul fights, uh, Triller. And he had a fight earlier this year right. where he was 139. So he was on weight. So he will be, he should be sharp. But man, I'm just looking the last like three years, 2020 to now, it's not even close, man. Zapata's fought the better opposition. He's definitely been in with better fighters. Yeah, me myself, I'm leaning towards Zapata for for that reason. He's been, you know, more uh, serious. I feel about it, about yeah. his um, craft, and really, you know, like you know, basically finally getting a shot. You know, he's been bullied by WBC, like I was saying earlier, for so long. 
given all these, you know, uh, number one contender and silver titles, all this bull, these, these Reggie belts, how you say. Yeah. You know I mean, it's bullshit, so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it, though. But I'm happy it's on the, on the, on the, um, Thanksgiving weekend, so got something to look forward to besides, you know, the football and the family. Uh, real quick, I want to hear your opinion, uh, as far as, I don't know if you heard about it. I don't know what the hell is going on. Maybe you might have some insights as far as the whole, uh, Davis and, uh, um, Mayweather promotion split. And saying how, uh, I guess, uh, LRB was, you know, basically talking shit about him at the Roley fight and bet that he's going to lose or telling everybody he's going to get knocked out by Roley and it being like kind of a bad breakup or saying that Mayweather promotion is not part of his, his future plans. What's up with that? Yeah, I think, I don't know, I don't have any inside information, but I think that technically he's not even a Mayweather fighter right now. I think he's kind of like floating in space as I understand it. And maybe that's part of why the whole thing with Ryan Garcia is delayed because they got to shore up contracts and get things finalized. I, I really don't know, but man, his relationship with Floyd has been really rocky ever since Floyd wanted him to move uh, to Nevada. I think, I think Floyd just wanted him to get out of his hometown, but I think he specifically wanted him to come to Nevada where Floyd could like supervise him more and things like that. Um, and he didn't want to do it. So Tank's kind of doing things his way. And um, right there kind of started the rift. So it's it's definitely bumpy. That relationship is real bumpy. But um, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what Tank's going to do because we thought he was going to leave Mayweather before and he resigned with him. Right. So, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that's all I got, Mike. Enjoy the Thanksgiving with the family. And, uh, you too, brother. Hope, hope to hear from you on Friday. For all sure, right, bro. cool, man. Have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Later. All right. Um, let's go to – we got Thad here on the line. Let's see. I've been going for about an hour. Guys, we'll take, like, a couple more calls, and then uh, we're going to wrap up in a little bit here, okay? Um, but let's go to Thad and see what he's got to say. See how he's betting this weekend. What's up, Thad? How you doing, brother? Hey Mike, yeah, there's some there's some good fights, uh, you know, to bet. I before I get to that, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, your opinion <clears throat> on uh, something with the uh, IBF and now the WBA. I don't know if you, you saw it came out not too long ago. Uh, the WBA just agreed or mandated. I don't know how that's possible to the WBC's Thurman yeah. Errol Spence fight. Yeah. Like they they signed off on it. Like. What they did to Stanionis is criminal. He can actually sue the WBA, like I think it was Rock Rockajani did, or one of those he fighters can't, back he can't. to the light heavyweight. Here's the WBA is really smart in the way that they've worked this out. That's why they started the regular interim gold, all these different belts. They have a system now. They have tiers. <laughs> Look at that loophole. Oh yeah, that dude, and like people, you know, it, it has to do with sanctioning <laughs> fees, but it also has to do with stuff like this. Oh, so they're man. I mean, the boxing community—they really should should understand how Stanionis has been waiting in line. He actually earned his position by beating Butayev. Now they're going to make him fight for a position he already holds as mandatory contender to fight Virgil Ortiz, one of the top fighters in boxing. You know, top that. There's no risk or there's no reward at all. Here's the well, thing. Like Fad. they're mandating him fight. Fad, why did Stanionis yeah. sign with PBC? Why would he do that? 
I, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of life's great mysteries that? to be quite honest. Yeah. It, it, just, it, it, it boggles my mind. There has to be something. It makes no, it makes no sense. And, and he's getting screwed over so bad. And I don't know. The boxing fan gets screwed again. Cause now guess what, Mike, we, we have, we have to be subjected to Spence and Thurman. And now there's a blueprint and precedent for these types of fights to bypass actual mandos that matter. And let me just say this, Thurman, his last legit win versus a welterweight was Jose Cito Lopez, January 1st of 2019. That was the last time he beat a welterweight. That's four years ago, almost. Yeah, that's not even a top okay? 10 and welterweight. He gets a mandatory WBC shot. So that, that just goes to show how corrupt these well, organizations you know, are. Nacho just brought up a great point. Uh, the WBA won't even force Leo Santa Cruz to fight his mandatory. You know, Leo Santa Cruz, I think he's got a belt at 126. I don't think he has a win there in years against a top-rated opponent. He moved yeah. up in weight and got knocked out. Still has that title. Yeah. So the WBA is in business with a particular <laughs> promotion. I'll just leave it there. Yes, they are. <clears throat> yeah, and it all follows the same suit because now the IBF, who made uh, Joe Cordina give up his belt? You know, just recently he won the belt and then he had to give it up because he was injured. But but Errol Spence still has the belt, hasn't made a defense in four years. Okay, when he when he has uh, Boo Tennis as his Mando, and they're they're okay with that. They're not going to strip him. They're not they're not going to you know do anything to him. Same thing with uh, Jermel Charlo with uh, Mertzalayev. He, he that's his uh, IBF Mando for the last two and a half years, I believe. They don't say anything to him, but yet Alexander Ustick now has to fight. Um, oh yeah, his IBF Mando. That's a great point. They're going to him because they're they've mandated how quick Usyk just beat Anthony Joshua again, right. and earlier this year, yeah. and he already has to fight Hergovich, Spence, and right. some other guys. Not treated the same Carlo. way. It's very interesting because Jerron Boots Ennis, I think, is actually – is he in line for the IBF? It's one of them. IBF number one. Yeah. IBF number one. But well, there's another guy. Why did Ennis – why is he fighting with them? <laughs> what is he doing? I, I guess if Jerron Ennis signed with thing. top rank, holy shit, his world would be very different. Very different. These but, fighters – and these fighters, they, they, they have rocks on their heads believing – you know, whatever they believe, people around them are, are just giving them bad advice. And then what you see is uh, the same kind of uh, blueprint with now you're seeing uh, Lawrence Acoli doing the same thing with Eddie Hearn. He's turning on Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn made him relevant. Okay. Eddie Hearn did a lot for this guy. And now he's being uh, chastised by the Acoli team because and now in Eddie Hearn's words, he said, oh, well, it's the new people in his group that don't know anything about boxing. Where have we heard that before? Yeah, we've seen it with Crawford. We've seen it so many times. It's a lot. They badmouth. Don King did it to Mike Tyson. He said Bill Caton's a bad guy. He's stealing from you, and and he uh, he got Tyson to, you know, jump ship, and and they use one thing. I'm not going to mention, but there's one thing that they use, and and it's synonymous with uh, with face, and it it it, it, it for some reason it's, it's just like a magical elixir that says, oh, yes, I'm going to come with you. Instead of staying with the guy who got you where you are, made you a millionaire, and, you know, made you a star. So we're seeing this symptom in boxing. 
people getting bad advice from people with ulterior motives. Fighters need to, to really realize what's going on, okay? Because it's bad. And, and as a boxing fan, it, I'm sick of it. There's only three pay-per-view fights that I really want, would actually pay money to see. And I'm a boxing fan. It's Yusek Fury, Bivol Baturbiev, Lomachenko Haney. Maybe Tank and Garcia, you know, I'd probably go to the casino and watch it. But I don't, there's no other fight that I would actually pay money to see except for those three. So if boxing thinks they could keep, and I said this before, handing down minute stakes and saying, oh, we're giving you filet mignon for, for a price of 80 bucks, go after yourself. Okay? It's just that simple. But um, before I let you go, Mike, yeah, for betting this weekend, um, Fabio Wardley and Nate Gorman. I think that's an underrated um, yeah. an underrated fight. Because Gorman, he's, he's sort of like, uh, like a gatekeeper for the top 10. I think he could do some damage here. Uh, you know, Wardley is one of those, uh, he fought in the white collar boxing circuit. And that's how he was discovered. But he, he has a string of knockouts over nobodies. But he has good sparring. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles a guy that actually is a decent fighter, like a top 20 guy. Um, I could see an upset. Hmm. I'm not going to bet it, but I'm, I, think, I think there might be a couple, you know, chances for that. It, this uh, Franklin, he's undefeated. It doesn't mean anything. He fought a couple guys. But the thing about uh, Dylan White, when you get knocked out a couple times, it, it's, you know, it's like a, like in football, you get accumulated concussions and you're more susceptible. Yeah. Same thing with boxers. Yeah. So don't don't be shocked if if somehow he gets whacked with an uppercut and goes down in this fight. It's the blueprint. Okay, everybody knows. Hit this guy with an uppercut, you can't miss. True. So that's another interesting fight. Very un and, and Dylan White's a fifteen to one favorite. He's a big favorite against this huh. I mean, hell, I put ten bucks, you know, on, yeah. on Franklin. At fifteen to you one. Know, to one. <laughs> oh, I just swore. Oh, sure. I was trying not to swear in this episode. Oh, I messed up. But yeah, 15 to 1, that, <laughs> those odds, dude, yeah, might be worth it putting right. some money down. Yeah, and, and, and even what's even better is doing a parlay because I, I love mm. Zach Parker. And I, I think uh, Ryder, I like Par I like Ryder as a fighter. Great style, but he's like a level below. And Parker, if no one's ever seen him fight, man, he, he's a strong guy. He's like a Joe Smith type maybe with a little bit higher pedigree, higher upside than Joe Smith. He hits just as hard. He's as physically strong. He's a big 168-pounder. I think Ryder's tailor-made for him. I think Ryder comes right to him and gets gets knocked out. So it's a close fight. Um, Parker's only, I think, a two-to-one favorite. But I, I would, you know, I don't know what the odds are on knockout, but I seriously think he catches him. I really like Zach Parker a lot. And I think Andrade made a, a smart decision avoiding him. Mm. I think that was a I think that was a tougher fight than any uh, than the John Buck fight, to be quite honest. Mm. But um with with the Regis Progray fight, Progray's he's a favorite. I think rightfully so. Pedigree wise, I think he's a, a level higher. He went toe to toe with um with Taylor. Yeah. Fought on close to even terms. So his level is right up there on his best night. So I think that's going to come into play and I think he's going to win. I mean, the layoffs stink. Yeah. It really throws a monkey wrench in handicapping fights, but I mean, 
I, I think Progray gets the win here. If, if everything is like kind of on the level. So I, I don't know if you had any feedback to that before. No, I agree. That, that's how I see it too. I think Zapata's fought the better opposition okay. lately, but I'm with you. I just think that Progray has an extra degree. And I think he learned a lot from that Taylor fight that he can apply here. Uh, I just like him to edge it, but I do think it's going to be close. And I think it's going to distance. Yeah, I, I can see the distance by both these guys. You know, they have tremendous heart. Mm-hmm. You know, both uh, pretty good chin. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any uh, any surprises there. It's, it's going to be a great hard fought fight, but if they're making people pay for that, I don't know. Again, it, it's it's just a bad precedent in boxing, and here we go again. And uh, one more thing, <laughs> Gail Falkenthal, I love her opinions, but she said uh, Andre Ward got out at the right time. And I think it had more to do with uh, Baturbia and Bivol being his mandatories. <laughs> so he got out at the most opportune time to not have to take a loss. And sometimes when you do that, it cheapens the sport. It makes your career look a little iffy. And like you said about Lennox Lewis versus Vitali, I, I thought, you know, Lennox didn't owe anything to the sport, but he turned down like a, it was like, it would have been a hundred million dollar fight. Yeah, it was huge. It, 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 yeah. But but I, I, like you said though he he was the undisputed champion I don't think he owed you know he got the Olympic gold he he did all those things and he did it in a different way yeah. than Andre Ward did it you know I think he had to really really earn it um, so I, I'll give Lennox credit I, dude it it would yeah. be hard to walk away from a hundred million though I mean, that would just be hard to walk away from yeah. he did it on principle though so I give him that you know I give him that. Yeah, I think I think he made a promise to his mom. There was there's some uh, if he's you a go good into the man. history of those two. He's, but he's a, a morally sound good man. And I, th- I I agree with you. Oh, yeah. yeah, can't can't take anything away from him. Believe me, I you know I have the highest respect for Lewis. Would have thought Vitali would have beat him. Um, that's my opinion, but that's how I see it. But again, he gets respect. Andre Ward does not. You know, going out the way he did, I thought that was a, a disrespectful way to leave boxing. So. All right, I'll leave you with that, Mike. Uh, you know, hopefully the fights this weekend, you know, turn out to be real interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of upsets here and there. Boxing needs it. So all right, Dad. All right. Have a good night, man. You too, man. Thank you. I want to show you guys a comment here from uh from Nacho. Uh, I said, speaking of boots, Mike, did you see where Boots dad said that Keith Thurman wanted ten million dollars to fight him? Yeah, I saw that. Not at all surprising. It sounds like something Keith would say. Hilarious. That's all I'll say. Hilarious. Um, and Hamed adds to that. Thurman said the same thing about fighting Spence in 2015 when Mayweather said he will only fight Keith if he fights Errol. So, um, yeah, on and on it goes, just the, the things people say. And Maestro here in, in, the, in the chat, what's up, man? He says uh, Lennox beating Vitali was a great way to end his career. Yeah, for me, like, I really wanted to see that rematch, right? Because that first fight was so good, better than we all expected it to be. And it, it was so anticlimactic with the ending, you know, because you felt like it was building to this crescendo. I really wish the referee and the ring doctor had been a little more thoughtful that they were dealing with a fighter who English was his fourth language. I was about to say second language, but actually fourth. And they should have explained very clearly to Vitaly because I've talked to people on that team and they said it was just not made abundantly clear. Like Vitaly did not understand 
that they were going to stop the fight. He was, that's why he freaked out and was so mad. They didn't really make it clear to him. Like, listen, dude, you got one more round and we're going to stop this. I don't know if Vitaly could have did anything. Let, let's say, let's say, because uh, I think they stopped it in the six. Let's say they said, Vitaly, you get one more round, you know, and, and explain it, you know, and, and told the trainer to explain this to your fighter. We're going to give you this seventh round and then we're going to stop it if this, if this cut doesn't close up. Uh, that's all you get. If they would have just told him that, I w- it would have been interesting to see what would happen if he went for broke. You know, um, I don't know if Vitaly had the power to stop Lennox Lewis with one punch. I think Vladimir did. But Vladimir also could be knocked out by Lennox. That's the interesting dynamic between the two Klitschko brothers, the differences. But um, all that being said, man, Lennox walking away, I wasn't mad at him for it. You know, at that point, I think he realized, okay, my time has passed. And if I keep fighting, one of these guys, Vitaly Klitschko, Vladimir Klitschko, one of them is going to beat me. And um, he walked away. I can't blame him. Cannot blame him at all. All right, back to the phones. Real quick, we'll get a couple more, and then we're out of here. Tony, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, Mike? Congratulations on the family. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, quick question. What was that $100 million thing that Lennox is going to make? I've never heard that. Could you explain yeah. that to me? Yeah, there, there, was, there were offers being thrown about where it would be $100 million total, and there'd be, you know, a split on that purse. But yeah, no, there were, no. well, there were huge was, numbers being thrown out. Guarantee? No, what was the guarantee? Oh, I don't remember the exact get? details, but no, they were, they were talking about a hundred million dollar um, fee, yeah. like site fee or whatever. Yeah. Seriously, I, dude. I looked that, at the numbers. Mm-hmm. I looked at the numbers in history and yeah, business wise, they weren't going to do that. <laughs> and whatever people are saying about the numbers, that fight at that time couldn't generate that kind of number. No, I just pulled up an article right I here where Lewis, Don King was offering Lennox Lewis $25 million guaranteed to come back from retirement and face Vitaly Klitschko. That's 25 mil just for Lewis. And that's just the guarantee and that's from Don King. Guaranteed with a back end, and Lewis turned it down. That and what's the article from? Oh who, shit! Who this is some one? UK paper. I don't know. I'm just googling real quick as we talk okay. here. But I'm just saying. Oh, look, no, okay. It would be. How about this? Uh, it would be. Let's say. Um, and I don't want to argue about stupid numbers over a fight that never happened. It would have been by far no, I, I, the I know biggest the Tyson fight. Lewis numbers. It would have been the biggest payday in the sport at that time. It was the biggest fight in the sport at that time that could be made at that time. Well, no, Tyson Lewis was the biggest that in the U.S. for the U.S. market. Yeah, globally though, this is after that, right? Because that was before the yeah, no, after that, yeah. Uh, But I know how much the the biggest fight was, and that should have done like because it was delayed so long. It wasn't as profitable as it could have been if it was held early on. I no, can I agree with that. that. Yeah. But yeah. they weren't paid the great money <laughs> for that fight. I'm telling you that. I, I saw the numbers just on the no, I think Lewis's guarantee was like eight, and then he got some back. I want to say he made eight figures for that fight. But um, it, eight he, or, yeah, probably eight. And 
I, I don't remember exactly. I'd have to go back. To he got over internet, 10 mil for that they, fight. They, they weren't paid great. Huh? He got over 10 mil. Well, I'm a fan of Lewis. But, but no, again, you're talking you're start... talking 20 years ago, dude. Oh, that was the only time I was ever a fan of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like boxing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when I was that young, I was had a I I wanted to see Lewis and Tyson a lot. But it just kept on getting pushed back until they were that late in their career. And mm. I knew the numbers pretty well. And I can't see that doing better than the Klitschko Lewis fight. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, one thing I had to talk to you, are you you're still volunteering for the ring thing, right? No, I've, I'm switching. I um, accepted a role with a, a, another platform that um, I'll be doing several different things for them going forward. And we're launching okay. So you're not going to be our new talking site. to the ring about anything? No, I'm, I will be doing some PR work and maybe sending some um, fighters their way for interviews and things like that that I'll be working with with this platform. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Uh, then I don't have to talk to you about the ring committee or the listings or any of that anymore, right? Or I can't talk to you. I mean, you can. Um, I could talk about the things I disagree with a lot more now, but um, – you know, um, ratings are, to be honest with you, I haven't even looked at the ratings in, over the last three weeks since my daughter was born. I, I haven't looked at any of that crap. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been like not calling you for a reason. Like you're busy right now. You're yeah. barely having like. Details are hard <laughs> to focus like, on what? because I'm intellectually <laughs> lazy and uh, I'm very tired. So. <laughs> I think, I think. You're realizing the kid has more energy than you do. Oh my God! Yes, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> uh, the only thing I'll say about the ring is they got to remove Connor Ben from the ring. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'll say. That's a bad look to have him on there. Pretty bad look. It's not the only bad the look to have right now. Out. <clears throat> well, no, everybody on. Don't get me started. The WB. A, I think, has what? Colbert, top 10, 135. Rowley, top 10, 140. <laughs> They're a joke, bro. They're a joke. They're a complete joke. I could do an hour-long uh, show every week just making fun of how stupid their ratings are and some of the decisions that they make uh, and how <laughs> corrupt it is. I could make a, a whole show based on it. But uh, I'd get 10 viewers because only 10 people out there care about that shit. <laughs> oh, I just swore again. <laughs> ah. oh. uh, the Regis Progress thing should be on your cable pay-per-view. Okay. So I, I, just, you, I saw you have to go through. Fight TV $59.99 or whatever. Yeah, 60 bucks. That's what I saw. Well, no, because they're going through pay-per-view tpv.com uh, okay, okay. Uh, you'll be able you should be able to get it on your cable boxes to order it like that because that's the only way I'm thinking why they're charging it at this price if it was on fight TV only uh, I, okay. I, I expected a lower price they gotta whack up the but revenue if it's on cable yeah because cable takes such a huge cut yeah 
That makes sense. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And about the Crawford thing, do you know anything about, well, Steve Bash and Bash Boxing, you should know in LA, right? Yeah. I know Steve. And how about Next Gen Boxing? Yep. Credible? Um, I have no issues with any of those guys. Just like Marv Nation. Well, not and... issues with... Well, Marv Nation, I... They got two... Well, the top guy that they got was uh, that, that old HBO guy, Kaffer. Yeah, okay. on him. yeah. And so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> I didn't expect to see that coming. But Crawford's working with those two uh, LA companies and subleasing a license, I guess, out in Nebraska for this fight. It's very interesting, bro. Um, the paper trail is kind of convoluted and. Um, there's been a few people that have broken it all down and stuff. I, again, I, I, I'm just not that interested. I just don't care. I, I think that in the end, Crawford is going to do a deal with PBC next year and fight Errol Spence. But um, yeah, it's it's a little, <laughs> I don't want to use the word shady, but yeah, some of the dealings are, are quite interesting. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> some of the connections. Uh well, I, I, I don't know any of those guys, to be honest with you. I don't uh, follow the L.A. club scene. You know it more, you know it more than I do, so. Mm-hmm. I definitely now, know Steve. And, yeah, anyway, go ahead, go ahead. If that fight doesn't happen... It's going to happen. It would mainly the Errol Spence... Crawford? It's it, it will happen next spring. Everything that happened okay. this year was by design. The the promotion is broke. They could not put on the fight this year and pay everyone what they wanted. Oh, I know. They'll I know the entire year. story of this. It's all smoke screens. Yeah. I, yeah. So you think all of this is just smoke screens to set up? Because the, if I heard correctly, the Thurman thing is on a uh, February? Yeah, they'll do Thurman that early and, next uh, year when the books open back up. They're going to overpay both of those guys, but especially Thurman. But it, I wow. think that there there was a softball deal thrown at Crawford, and he wasn't going to be duped into doing something stupid. The offer that they made him was shit. I do think that they'll come so around. They're gonna, yeah, the back end. negotiate seriously next year. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. Okay. Because a lot of people uh, are writing the obituary for PBC and Showtime Box. Look, they're going to be around next year. No, I'm not. I know you're not, I'm, but I'm a lot of people around. are. A lot of people are, but they're having, they're not doing very well right now, but a lot of, can, a lot of promotions are not. The, I know, but I, I, they're not. Matchroom might be around. the only promotion. They're not going away. Matchroom and Top huh? Rank might be the only promotions in the black this year. Seriously. It's, it, it's tough right now. It's tough. I, don't know about Matchroom. I only say Matchroom because they because, had a couple big events that they were a part of, where there, you know, there was there was well, some big money involved. Yeah, but that's all you need, bro. I, I don't want to bash. Golden Golden Boy stayed in you the black I mean? for years off of Canelo. That was it. 
They lost money with everything else, but Canelo would put him in the black every year. And now they're trying to do that with Garcia. And uh, when when Ryan didn't fight once, uh, what, last year I think it was, that really hurt him. When Virgil couldn't fight because he had a health issue, that really hurt him. And you see where Ring Magazine oh, yeah. is right now. I'll just leave it at that. So um, <laughs> these a lot of these guys, it's it's one fighter that puts them in the black every year. Seriously. Um, but anyway, I can get down a whole rabbit hole on that. All right, but Tony, we've been going for 11 minutes, man. What you got? Hit me with one more thing, oh, and, then sorry, gonna, and then we're going to get going. No, no, that's all I wanted to ask you about. All right, man. All right, thanks for the call. All right, good stuff, brother. Have a good one. All right, let's. All right, uh, super chat from Anthony Santiago. Thank you, Ant. He says, "Hope Thurman gets lucky and KO Spence." <laughs> that that would be insane, bro. You know what? It's not out of the realm of possibility, and that's how they can market that fight. Thurman can punch. I, I do think his one-time knockout power is a little overrated, but um, there's always that shot that he can he can land something. He he is you know um, a, a good fighter. He's definitely past his best, but man, yeah, that would just mess up the plan so bad. Because I do, th- you know, they want to get the Crawford fight. To- Listen, the WBA in their recent ruling, the WBC in their recent ruling, the IBF and their lax rulings as it comes to mandatories, everything that the sanctioned organizations have done recently at 147, they didn't just do that out of the kindness of their heart. They were buttered up. Who do you think buttered them up? Who do you think is wheeling and dealing behind the scenes to get everything set up for the eventual fight next year? Come on, guys. Do the math. The fight's going to happen. Another one from Ann. Thanks again. He says, must have food for Thanksgiving. Baked mac and cheese and pernilla, Puerto Rican pork shoulder. For me, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, you know what? This Thanksgiving, we're probably going to keep it real simple because we're we're really busy. But uh, my family does it a little bit different. I mean, we, we will do turkey, obviously, um, you know, but we also will probably make like some mastacholi. We usually like make like mastacholi, something like that, big ziti, and, and kind of add like an Italian flair to the turkey and everything. And now that I'm married to Tiffany and she's uh, Chinese and Vietnamese, uh, she'll make egg rolls or something. We'll, we'll, you know, kind of mix that together. So we'll kind of bring in a little bit of the Chinese tradition, a little bit of the Italian tradition to the American thing. And um, just like Aunt, where you bring in the Puerto Rican element, right? Uh, I think a lot of families do that, man, where, where they kind of bring in their family's heritage into the American Thanksgiving thing. And that's what makes it so fun. Honestly, man, Thanksgiving might be my favorite holiday. I, I love Christmas. I love the holiday season. But Thanksgiving's awesome because it's just about eating <laughs> and watching the Detroit Lions lose. Although, man, they won three in a row, guys. Three in a row. And they might make it four in a row this Thanksgiving, but they're playing Buffalo. That's going to be hard. But, yeah, traditionally, we just eat a lot of food and watch the Lions lose. So it's always fun. All right, listen, we're going to take one more call, guys. I see there's several of you guys on hold. Um, I'm breaking down. I'm getting real tired. And um, we've been going over an hour and a half, and I got to get back to, to the baby. So we're going to take one more call from France because I think this is Johnny, and he's been on hold. And then um, we're going we're gonna to go, okay? So let me get Johnny on the line here. What's up, Johnny? How you doing, brother? Thank you. Hey, I'm doing good. Bonjour to you. Bonjour to the Ebobi family. 
And shout to everyone. Uh, thank you for, so much for taking my call. I'm making it quick because I understood you're tired and, I, <laughs> and that's understandable. So no problem. Just um, just one thing about the IBF and uh, just just you know uh, the algorithm thing. I think it's uh, just a, a way for Uncle uh, Uncle Eddie Earl to take uh, another seat in the heavyweight uh, division because uh, like the IBF uh, mandatory comes out of nowhere really. It's <laughs> like uh, yeah. it's like yeah. music just for a, a few few weeks ago. And now it's just a fight, uh, and uh, and the IBF mandatory would uh, also pass uh, an unification. So that's that, that's crazy. That's just crazy. That's it just uh, you know, Eddie. Um, I think he knows that uh, music is going to relinquish his belt, so has to fight a fury, and so it takes another easy belt. And you uh, most likely, uh, Eric uh, will uh, end up fighting another name for the Viking belt, and uh, and so Uncle um, is getting this seat again at the heavyweight uh, division, and he's going to be able to sell this belt or maybe push up a little bit Eric on the way, you know, because mm-hmm. Joshua is clearly on the way out. Yeah, and uh, it feels that and, it feels that and, way. And uh, White is, yeah. So I think uh, something uh, messed up because uh, in the, in the beginning we were supposed to to sign a contract with music, but uh, finally it ended up uh, being a two fight contract. It doesn't have a contract with music, so it got to to set the major weight. It's a uh, it's a bit sad because uh, it's it's really big sad because uh, music is uh, is a special fighter. He really wanted to be uh, undisputed at every weight and cruiser weight, and he might not be able to to achieve that uh, that goal. So that's a bit that bit sad actually. And just one more thing about um, the Betabius Devil uh, fight. I'm sorry I'm going to harass you with this fight for the following month. <laughs> I'm sorry, because this fight, this fight is really getting on my mind. I really want to see this. And uh, the BS fight has been announced in uh, London uh, on 28th of uh, January. So I think I might get a way to get there, even if my passport is expired in a few few weeks. But uh, I find a way, I find a way to get there. And um, I really want to see the fight. Just one thing about this fight, um, the B-roll fight. Um, I heard, shout out to Tad because uh, it's it's a reply to Tad from last week. He said that uh, the, the, those careers were like beating, and uh, that BF was uh, going down downhill. And uh, of course, Bivol is entering his prime. That's true. That's true. But uh, you see, we have a, a single common uh, fighter in the, in the two of them, and it was uh, Justin Junior. Yeah, and uh, Justin uh, Junior is a is a hard man. He's a really hard fighting man. He's a brave boxer. He's a he's a physically gifted. He's a big guy. He's a real big guy, and he's uh, he's got power. And um, we everybody you know put this video uh, in the last month uh, of um, Justin you know clipping um, clipping people in a ten round. It was a bit of a hard right hand, and that caught Bivol uh, uh, unprepared, and that uh, shook him a little bit. I don't know if you remember that. Mm. No, I don't think so. You, you, 
Yeah, Bevan got uh, got caught by uh, by uh, Joseph Junior. Oh yeah, no, no, no. You, okay, no, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was tenth, eleventh round, and it was clear he was hurt, but yeah, he was able was to a... survive, and I think that was a yeah. great learning experience for him. Yeah, and and uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's right because it changed here. He even the better is is tied with uh, the next fight. So that's right. But with uh, better Diaz, like uh, better Diaz folded him into one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like uh, it was uh, he folded him like a garden or chair, you know. It was yeah. like uh, in, in in one round, uh, Justin Junior knew that he wasn't going to to hang around in the ring, you know. So better Diaz, just it's different. He's got the his, uh, short hooks, you know, short circuits. Uh, short right hand and uh, all those blues they hurt terribly and um, I think that makes a difference even though even though the career are, as well uh, um, really effectively as a matter of fact in the opposite direction is not in his prime anymore that's right but better BS is uh, also reaching uh, another kind of you know prime because he is a uh, I think he's more aware of his uh, limitation. Though. He's not going to be reckless as he might have been in the past. You know, he, he learned also from the from the knockdown he got uh, with the British fighter Kevin Smith and uh, mm-hmm. Kevin uh, Wilson. That was okay. early in the fight. <laughs> Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson. Yeah, Kerem yeah, yeah. Johnson. And it was like Great early fight. in the fight when he was still cold. He wasn't warmed up. Um, so I think he learned from that too. And uh, what happened in the Joseph fight is like. Joseph, you told it right. Uh, at the at the moment in the fight, very early in the first round, he got hurt with something, and uh, he said, "I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to to endure that for a lot of rounds. So I got to go broke." And uh, he went broke, and uh, he wasn't <laughs> disappointed <laughs> because the guy, like really, when when in any way you you come close to him, he can like uh, can. Gives you very, very short right hand, short left hook, short left hook. It's got the world toolkit. It's got the world toolkit. So, even though his physical prime is past, I think his boxer prime is things are quite fair. And um, we'll see in January, but uh, I won't be surprised if he if he really gets um, gets uh, the other fair very, very quick. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he shouldn't waste his time. Fighting a guy who doesn't spar for training. No. Yeah, I agree, and I think um, I think Yard has a style to give Baturbi of problems early on because he's just different. The way he moves, very herky jerky, and um, his rhythm's different. But once Baturbi starts breaking him yeah. down, I'm with you. Don't waste time. Get him out of there, and then set up that fight between him and Bevo, which I really hope can happen next summer next fall and um that's going to be a fantastic it's one of the best fights that could be made in boxing absolutely so this one if it can be made in, in london because i think the white business uh, way to do this is uh, to make it in london because london london fans they're boxing fans much more than u.s fans the u.s fans you have to put the name but british fans they like boxing so if you put the two best names in the division they're going to go there yeah. It's not going to be Wembley, but it's going to be better than uh, than uh, anywhere in the U.S. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Mike, thank you for taking my quick call. I'm so so pleased to be able to, to talk to you, and uh, up to to to, 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 to get you next time. Thank you so much. Have a good uh, good time, bro. Thank you. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good week. See you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bro. All right, there he goes, guys. I'm out of here. Um, listen. If I could do a show Friday, absolutely we'll do it. Because, um, again, I'm 50-50, okay? I'll let you guys know. Uh, you guys follow me on social. You'll see. I'll post about it. If not, we're definitely doing a show next Monday, okay? So I promise you we'll be, definitely be back next Monday to review everything taking place this weekend. And then next weekend, we have some big, big fights, December 3rd, right? So we got next weekend show or next week's show. It's going to be great. So either way, guys, uh, we will talk soon. Uh, for my friends here in the United States, have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. You guys are awesome. I love you. And I'll see you at the fights. Peace.